Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Alan Hankins. Alan Hankins is one of the best wrestlers to come out, ever come out of Kansas. Three-time high school state champion. He wrestled for Nebraska. He was also a Division II national champion. Total stud and great guy, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him. So let's bring him in. It's good to finally meet you, buddy. Yeah, nice to nice to put a face to the name and looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, so uh, where are you at? You're in Dallas? I am. I've been here for, I guess, about 13 years now. Okay. I work at a club called the, the uh, called Hyenas there in, in Dallas, and there's one in Fort Worth also. They're two of my favorite clubs. Awesome. Where, where's, the one in, uh, where's the one in Dallas at? I, I haven't been to that. Um, I'm terrible with that kind of stuff, but it's, uh, gosh, I couldn't even tell you, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's a great club. Um, so thanks very much for taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy guy. You bet. Happy to be here. Always fun to talk about wrestling. Yeah. So who, who initially got you into wrestling? How old were you when you started? You know, I didn't start until I was probably around eight years old, and the only claim I can have to starting wrestling and how I got involved was I moved to a town called Arc City, Kansas, and you are probably familiar being a Kansasite with with Arc City. It's it's really a birthright if you're born there or live there. You've got to get started in wrestling, and so we moved from... Well, I was born in London, lived there for about five and a half years, and then we moved to Houston, lived there for a couple of years, and moved to Kansas when I was, I guess, eight or eight, eight years old or about. And a lot of my friends were already in wrestling, probably had been in wrestling for three or four years at that point, and they talked me into going, and Jerry Munson, and uh, Scott Goodale's dad was a coach, Larry Goodale, and yeah. uh, a couple other uh, great guys. Yeah. Were you good from the start? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it, it, I, I got second my first year in, in kids state. So I, I would say that qualifies. Although listen to the, some of the Iowa guys you've, you've uh, interviewed, you, you know, maybe doesn't meet their qualification, but yeah, I think that was a, a, a decent start at least seemed like I knew what I was doing versus being on the soccer field where I had no clue. Kids state's tough, man, because it's the whole state, you know, you see kids that you haven't seen the whole year. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of, I almost thought it was easier than, than high school or tougher than high school. Rather. I agree. I agree. There were several guys I wrestled. Of course you go across all the different classes, 4A, 5A, 6A. And some of my best matches, were in kids state like I wrestled Bobby Lashley I wrestled Scott Trimbley a couple really great individuals that I never ran into at state or in in high school I should say yeah you know I never knew I never met you when I was a kid but I remember the Ark City you guys always had your name on the back of your singlets and I always thought that was so cool they had it in cursive writing you know everybody's little name on there and uh what, when, when did you graduate? You were 97, right? 94. Oh, you were 94. I yeah. didn't realize that. Okay, so we're the same age. You were 94 as well, right? I was, but for some reason I thought you were a couple years behind me. Well, mentally maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously doubt that one, buddy. Um, so how many kids' state titles did you end up winning? Do you remember? I don't remember. I, it was five or six, somewhere around there, but I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I, I've lost track as best as my dad did to try to keep up with it. I've, I've lost track of that. Yeah, see, I'm one of those people that I remember just about every match I ever wrestled from the time I was seven years old. It's almost like a, it's almost like a Rain Man deal, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I remember everything. Um, yeah, I've had too many head injuries, I suppose. <laughs> you know, well, only retain the most important details. So you don't have those big plaques anywhere because when you won state, you got those giant plaques. Yeah, I, I'm guessing they're still in Arc City. My mom and dad live in Arc City. My brothers actually both live in Arc City now, and they're packaged up somewhere. 
my dad occasionally gives me some things to take home. And the latest trip he brought was all the matches I had in my freshman year as as a high schooler. And he kept track of paper clippings and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's fun to look through some of that, but I haven't done that exhaustively. So I know you were a three-time state champ in high school. How did you do that freshman year? Yes, freshman year I got second, and gosh, I should know who I got beat by, uh, but I don't remember off the top of my head. And, you know, wrestling for me is one of those things where I loved it. It was such a great experience, but – it was always like, you know, especially at Art City, you have to re-up every year. I mean, I Chad Beeson was a guy that was a few years ahead of me, and I, I still remember a conversation I had with him at a basketball game, and he got second as a freshman, and then he won three state titles. And I remember he antagonized me a little bit, saying, well, we'll see what you can do, you know, come wrestling. And so that was always my, my mark was to – uh, you know, beat or tie uh, Chad. And of course, he's had uh, a lot of success uh, at, the, at the high school level and then went on, wrestled a little bit. Now he's got a son that's a, a stud. Yeah, he just won He just won JUCO Nationals from what I, what I recall from uh, what Wayne said. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so do you remember what the score was? How close was it? Was it a close match? It was pretty close. Yeah, I, I would say... <clears throat> Most of my high school matches in in the finals were fairly close. Like I wrestled Chris Biddle one year, and he actually beat me at the qualifiers by a point or two. Rode me in a, a, a spiral ride for probably a minute and a half and uh, couldn't get up. And then worked with Jimmy Ramirez between that and state time figured out how to get out and, and uh, ended up beating him by a couple points. That was probably my toughest high school other than the, the time when I got beat. Um, that was probably my toughest. Chris Biddle from Winfield was one of my tougher com- opponents. Dude, the Biddles have to be the biggest wrestling family in the, in the state of Kansas. There's like, there's gotta be 20 of them. Yeah. Did you wrestle a couple of those guys? Um, I don't think I ever did. I think I, they were always, in or around my weight, but I just remember being like, how many are there? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were all studs too, or at least most of them. Yeah. They're they're, And I see Jeremy's got some kids continuing on in the, in the past. So it's fun to see that. Did you, uh, did you look up to anybody in particular when you were a kid or, or even when you in high school? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the, the easy one at Arc City was always Justin Ware. I think he was who everyone hoped to be. I mean, he, he I don't know that he ever really had much competition other than going down to Perry, Oklahoma. Occasionally we'd run in some tough competition there. But in Kansas, you know, there wasn't much competition for him. You know, Brooks Travis, Scotty Goodale were all a couple years ahead of me. Those were guys that I wrestled with, looked up to. Uh, Coach Jackson, of course, was a, a, a great role model and seeing what he did each day. I mean, he would get on the, the mat with all of us and roll around with us. And, you know, we had, I think it was in college, we started coming up with different types of strength. And, you know, you've got the the, the old man strength. And so he had the old man and plus the country boy strength yeah. uh, all combined in one and he'd grab a hold of you and it'd be hard to get out of. But yeah, th- those are all guys. And, and then, you know, Mark Richardson, I don't know if you remember him or not. I he don't. was our assistant coach. He was uh, sadly just passed away, but he was a, a great uh, role model, calming force. He had a couple of state champion kids that that uh, grew up. But we we always had really good coaches. I mean, Scott Munson's Scott Munson was a guy I wrestled with, and his dad Jerry Munson, uh, Scotty Goodale's dad Larry Goodale. Um, we we it, I mean, you could go on and on, and you probably know most of these guys because they're all 
studs. Yeah, I recognize all those names. The only the only two guys I ever wrestled from Ark City, and they were both kids in kids, was I wrestled Nathan Bennett and I wrestled Brooks Travis, and yeah. uh, and I was I was fortunate enough to to win both of those matches. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I wrestled Brooks Travis one year, and I thought I lost the match because he took me down at the last second, like as time ran out. And I remember going back to the center, and it was the only time in my life that I didn't know that I hadn't, I that I didn't know that I had won. And when the ref raised my hand, I remember being like, "Oh, okay," because <laughs> it was a criteria match. It was two to two. And then Nathan Bennett, I wrestled uh, a couple times when I was like, I think twelve. But for some somehow, I was able to avoid all those Arc City guys. Yeah, you you must have wrestled Nathan before he hit a growth spurt because he was, uh, I think, our one. 177 or yeah 71 89 pounder in high school yeah we i wrestled him i wrestled brooks see i'm such a nerd about this stuff i almost feel like a dork that i remember it but i wrestled <laughs> i wrestled 12 and under 84 when i wrestled brooks and then 12 and under 110 so i that was my growth spurt uh because uh-huh. i gained like 26 pounds in one year and wrestled nathan the, the next year and uh yeah, so I, I'll, I'll never forget that. And I ran into Brooks not too long ago, and, and uh, I didn't bring that up to him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, might have been the last time he lost at State, was in like 6th or 7th grade. When, and that, yeah, he, he was a heck of a wrestler. Yeah. And then went on wrestle in Missouri. Looks like he still stays plugged in pretty well. Yeah, his son's a total stud, too. Um, Teague is his name. He's Teague, he's uh, yeah. yeah. He's he's already won two titles and he's only a junior, so uh, he's on he's on track to win four. What kind of coach was Wayne Jackson? You know, Wayne Wayne was really outwardly laid back. You wouldn't know if he was, you know, frustrated or upset. He he always did a pretty good job <laughs> of moderating his emotions. I say most of the time. There was a few times where he would lose it, but you knew his expectation was always, you know, winning state or better. And he, the way he worked that in, you know, he's a little bit like the, the Iowa program. I mean, believe that you could out wrestle anyone through endurance, and so the last. Yes, it was probably two weeks, maybe three weeks prior to state. He would get you in the morning. We'd have 6 a.m. workouts and we'd run gassers. And, you know, you'd do that for about an hour. And I remember him saying that those who train like they will win uh, are the ones that are willing to do what nobody else is willing to do. And so he, he very much was a man of action. He, he, he let his actions speak louder than his words. And then he'd get on the mat and he'd wrestle with you and, he'd, uh, you know, pummel you until you're ready to, you know, listen to him or, uh, <laughs> acquiesce and, and take some of his feedback. Um, so he, he taught by doing, and I really appreciated that about Wayne. And he always knew, you know, the right, you, you, I know you've studied a lot of these coaches and you probably hear, you know, what, what's the difference between a good coach and a great coach. And I think, you know, technician, yes, you got to have that. And, and he went to college and so he was a great technician. You got to have hard work, but the great coaches are the ones that are able to pull something out of you that you don't think you have. Yeah. And Wayne did that. He did that with everybody. I mean, he really connected with each individual and he, you know, I still, I still stay connected to him. I go back and my family's got some cattle back in Ark city and we go work cattle and he comes out and takes a horse and uh, he's a, he's a cowboy at heart. Um, and so he, he just, he knows what each individual needs and he really pushes you to help you to achieve that. So I think that's what makes Wayne great. Other than the, the, the other things that I think are just necessary, you know, technique and mindset. He's, he's tougher than a box of nails. Yeah. 
Yeah, he looks it. He's still in great shape, and I think he's, what, 70? <laughs> yeah, thankfully, just went through the COVID, so I'm glad to hear he's, yeah. he's feeling better. Yeah, I was glad to hear that, too. He was he had COVID when I talked to him, and <laughs> and I had never I had never talked to him a day in my life, but I felt like I knew the guy, and it was, you know, it was one of my favorite podcasts, easily. Um, he was just such a just such a cool dude I, I just really enjoyed talking to him and and hearing about you know his his take on everything did you guys win uh, uh team titles every year that you wrestled in high school we did yeah okay and i think they won several years before and several several years after yeah and so yeah it was very high expectations but it wasn't you know you've won a state championship so you understand I mean, it's it's obviously a lot of pressure, but to do it year over year over year, you would think that the pressure is just like, man, I don't want to blow it this year. But he never allowed anybody to think that way. In fact, I never had that thought in high school. I mean, he he expected to not just win, but to dominate. And you know, and and also, I think he did a great job of making it fun. You know, I think I hear that from Kale Sanderson. If you talk to a lot of his wrestlers, you know, you listen to him after they wrestle a match. It's like, hey, we bought into the philosophy of Kale, and you know, it's work hard, uh, have fun, and be great in, in technique. Uh, technique and he he made it fun every year and and i think a lot of it is because he he prepared you mentally physically emotionally in ways that other people didn't even think about at yeah. that that age uh, do you have a favorite wayne jackson story <clears throat> you, you you've probably heard the story i won't go into detail but the the story about him hitchhiking to yeah nationals is a a favorite uh, maybe one less told is, you know, we you put a bunch of guys in a van and you jump on the road and sometimes you're on the road late at night and you start, uh, you know, just doing silly stuff in order to uh, entertain yourself. And so I, I remember, I don't know who exactly it was, if it was Chad or uh, Brooks or Justin, you know, but we were running back uh, to Arc City and there was, it was an old suburban and had a wheel well that wasn't covered and <laughs> someone kept slapping the wheel well. So it sounded like we had run over something and, and you know, we uh, were playing a joke with Wayne and he pulls over and what are you boys doing <laughs> trying to get me to pull this you know he, he, he the way he talks is hilarious of course yeah i, I will uh try to in, in, uh do that now but uh he he uh he, as straight face as he is he got so worked up and of course he's probably trying to keep himself awake i think there's other stories about him running off into a ditch uh thankfully i wasn't in that car uh but his his coaching was superb. His driving maybe not so much. So uh, you know th- those those long trips, we always tried to do something to keep ourselves entertained. Usually, uh, sometimes it was at the expense of of Coach Jackson. Yeah, uh, but he always took it great, and and we we built so many great memories and love uh, the atmosphere and the environment he created. I hope to meet him someday because I would love to just sit there and, and talk to that guy and pick his brain for. I could have talked to him for three hours. Yeah, yeah, he's he's about as easy of a guy to talk to and disarming and very humble. Uh, of course, as you start prying into his mental acumen, I mean, he's he's just unbelievable uh, in the way that he thinks about the world and uh, just a you know, one of my heroes. So I could, couldn't say enough about him. Yeah. Uh, did you, um, what, did you have a, a favorite position or a best position when you were wrestling? Was that on your feet or on the mat? I would say it was generally on my feet. I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was decent on top. I wasn't great on bottom. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, 
generally if I was on bottom, I, I didn't get a lot of practice there generally because I got, got up pretty quick. Um, but uh, being on, on my feet was where I was probably most comfortable as I got into uh, more technique. I, I got more comfortable on top riding people and working to turn people. Um, but yeah, I'd say generally on, on, uh, on my feet. How did you, uh, how did you end up at Nebraska? Were you recruited by a lot of schools? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, one of the things I still think about today is I was recruited by a couple Ivy league schools. I was always pretty decent in school and I was, uh, recruited there and thought, man, I wonder if I would have gone, uh, you know, go to the Ivy league school, but I always, Justin Ware, uh, was a, was a guy that I was following in his footsteps and Tim Newman was the head coach at Nebraska and he'd come to several dual meets to watch Justin. And of course, you know, following in Justin's footsteps was always kind of a dream of mine. And so Nebraska was front and center for me, but I did go to several other places, OU, uh, Iowa State, uh, um, uh, went to Labette. Uh, actually was thinking about uh, community college and ended up Brad Penrith was at, at Nebraska and I really connected well with him. He was a national champ from Iowa that was coaching at, at Nebraska and uh, Tim Newman did a great job as well, making, helping me to be interested in the program. So I would say those guys uh, had a leg up for sure. But I wanted to go and experience, I think back then you could go to five different programs and I don't know if that's still the same or not, but I tried to go on all those. Yeah. I think that's still the same deal. When you, uh, when you first got to Nebraska, like, first of all, I wanted to ask you, cause I know Justin was a little older than you. Could you, Yeah. were you guys even close to the same weight and could you, could you wrestle with him in high school or was he just above everybody? Man, I mean, you you could wrestle with him for or I could wrestle with him, but I wouldn't. It, it wasn't a close match. I mean, okay, he was uh, he, he was yeah head and foot above me technically. I, I, I think Justin was you know a, a really a freak of nature, and, and I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that I remember many ma- matches that he was close to anybody other than in Oklahoma. We went down there, um, but uh, yeah, he was he was good. Good to get a, a dose of humility from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've talked about this a few times on this podcast because when I was a kid, he was just you know you would have good kids, you know, even the best, Timor Terry and and. Uh, I forget which month and he wrestled. I think it was Scott or no. Um, anyway, some of the some of the Arc City other Arc City guys were really good. You had Timor and the Munsons and and yourself and all these guys. It was like they were here and Justin was here. He could still. I mean, all those guys. If you got within five points of Justin Ware and kids, you had done something. I mean, yeah. it went around the arena. Did you hear that Justin Ware only beat a kid by five points? You know, he was just a freak. I think he only lost to one. I think he. I would love to talk to him. But I think he only lost one time to a, a, a Kansas kid, and that was his very first year. To my knowledge, I mean, he may have lost a few times his first year, but... Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was Billy Talley. Do you remember that kid? Billy Talley was another Arc City guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when they were kids, I think, from what I remember, the story was that Billy Talley beat Justin in their first kid state when they were like six in the finals, and then Justin won like 11 straight or whatever he won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your first year at Nebraska, was that uh, as good as you were? Was it was it difficult? Did you take some lumps there at first? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think anybody that goes to college is, it, it's another, it, it's to say it's another level is an understatement. I, I think everybody comes in with high expectations and you want to win and 
and, and you do, I mean, you, you win a lot just by your, 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 you know, your work ethic, your technique, but, uh, it is a dose of humility for sure. Wrestling at that level, and especially with guys in the room. I mean, Timor was there. You've got Jason Kraft, um, you know, Brad, Brad Penrith and, uh, Steve Bear. It's another great guy that was there, all American at, at Nebraska. Jason Kelber was there. Of course, on the heavier side, I didn't wrestle with any of these guys, but uh, Rulon Gardner and Matt Lindland, and, uh, Brad Veering, and, and uh, had a lot of great wrestlers. In fact, we had so many wrestlers. My, I think it was my freshman year. We had like 35, 40 wrestlers, and maybe even more than that now that I'm thinking about it. I think that's what we got down to. We had probably like 50. And... We had so many wrestlers, we, in order to even make the team, uh, you had to run up Memorial Stadium uh, with somebody on your back a uh, hundred times. Oh, wow. And then we had to do like a thousand push-ups, a thousand pull-ups, and you had, you know, 24 hours or something to complete it in. But uh, it was it, it, just to get on the team. I mean, there was, and there was a lot of people that just said, Hey, this is North. It's those that were walking on. You had to have a pretty strong mind just to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Uh, and, you know, August, September, when school gets started back and your hundred degree temperature running up Memorial stadium with somebody on your back, you know, like, what, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's just to get on the team and then, you know, you, you make it and you've got guys that are, have been there and are very competitive. Clearly everybody at that level is. Um, so yeah, it's, it really goes to who wants to develop themselves, spend time off the mat, watching tape, uh, working on your technique, working on your shape, you know, it's all the things generally that you're doing off the mat that are going to make you better on the mat. Uh, you know, even working with psychologists on how to think, uh, you know, how to envision that preparation leading up to the, the event because anxiety is a big deal. And, you know, when you go to some of these events, you're, you know, one-on-one is, intimidating, but then you turn off all lights and you elevate the, the, the podium or the, the mat, uh, you know, it can become even more intimidating. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, difficult and, and it's, uh, it's a, some people never make it because the, the amount of humility it requires to, to just be, uh, nobody wants to be average at that level. And yeah. so, you're you're gonna grind it out, or you're gonna burn out. One of the two. Yeah. How long did you stay at Nebraska? I was there four years, and um, I, you know, there was uh, without going into all the detail. I don't, uh, you know, I was a hard head, uh, so I'll, I'll take a lot of that responsibility uh, myself. But there were some things going on that I wasn't really happy with, and. Um, I wanted to wrestle. I didn't want to quit. I, I've never really quit anything. Uh, I, the, my junior year, I wrestled Steven Schmidt in the Big 12 championships. And, uh, you know, he, I thought I had him pinned, but uh, I think that was the year he ended up winning it. Um, and, and uh, you know, it was heartbreaking, but uh, you want to, you want to, achieve and accomplish and finish what you started. Um, but there's always things, uh, even teammates. I mean, I had, you probably know Brian Schneider. Brian Schneider was, uh, the guy he was, I think coming in as a red shirt freshman and he was a stud. I mean, a lot of success in high school and then, uh, you know, was having success at the college level, uh, as well. I think Jamar, him and Jamar Billman maybe wrestled together. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I ended up, uh, actually several of my friends had transferred out as well. Uh, and 
Jason Reitmeyer, I don't know if you remember that name or not. No. Was a, a Minnesota kid. He had gone to uh, Augustana College and, and and he was coaching there. Had uh, actually another guy, Jason Schumacher, had gone up there as well. And uh, so they asked me if I wanted to come. And um, just with some of the stuff I was dealing with, I decided to go and uh, ended up finishing up there. So did you start all four? All, did you redshirt your freshman year? I redshirted my freshman year, and then I I wrestled on the team uh, every year. I think uh, one year that I had uh, knee surgery that I wasn't able to compete at the Big 12s, uh, but then the other two years I did. Um, I think I got... Uh, so, so didn't make it to nationals. Um, yeah, I, although I was, you know, up there seventh or eighth in the nation, uh, I think you had to, so if you didn't place in the top three, you had to be picked as one of the, the elected. And, uh, and, and so I got fourth and didn't get picked. And so that was, that was crushing, uh, as well to, you know, work your, your butt off. And, you know, those middleweights are always stacked. And, you know, of course, I felt like I deserved. But, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is, is, hey, you place in the top three, and there's no questions. If you don't, then, you know, that's on you. So uh, it was it was hard, but uh, it was, you know, it was the Big 12, you know, and it was tough. Yeah. So um, you don't have to get into it if you don't want to, but <laughs> but coach said coach Jackson said you didn't get along with the coach. Did you guys have some issues? And yeah, I mean, we just had a different philosophy. I think was the, the he was a great coach. I mean, Tim was you know known around the wrestling industry, and he had some of the best uh, clinics. You know, we travel around every year and do wrestling clinics and he'd have, you know, several thousand people come into his clinic and he built a great staff, a great program. Uh, so nothing I can say about him uh, that, that uh, it just, we butted heads. Uh, we had two different philosophies and that probably had more to do with me than it had to do with him. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we, we, uh, we, we had our differences, but, you know, I think being young, yeah. you, 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 and Penrith always knew how to, how to dial me in and, and talk to me. And so usually, you know, he would be the one to talk me off a ledge and Mark Cody was, was great as well. Uh, those were the two guys that I probably connected with the best. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, Tim and I didn't always see eye to eye, but uh, I always appreciated him, looked up to him as a coach. And uh, ultimately, we just had a different vision of, you know, what we wanted. So what weight did you wrestle in, in college? I started out at 134, and then I was cutting a ton. I was probably, you know, weighing 170, uh, cut cutting down to 134. And so I only made that my freshman year. Then I moved up to 142, uh, wrestled there for a year, probably would have wrestled there for the rest of my career. But about that time, I don't know if you remember, there was a couple of kids in Michigan that died yeah. uh, cutting weight and they, they changed the, the weight where you could get seven pounds, which then made me a 149 pounder. And so that was kind of the weight that I called uh, my own and then my senior year at Augustine, I ended up wrestling at 157, really just to make our team stronger. There was a, a guy that was, you know, a light 149-pounder that, uh, you know, he wouldn't have really had a shot at 157. And I was, a, I was still pretty heavy. I was probably 175 by this time. And so, uh, you know, getting down, uh, I'd, I'd get down to probably 165 just with the easy workout. And, and then, you know, you got eight pounds to lose 
which wasn't too too big of a stretch. And actually, with the same day weigh ins, you couldn't stretch too far, which was good. I think that actually helped the sport a lot. Yeah. Um, so I ended up wrestling uh, 157 my senior year. Yeah, I'm really glad that they've gotten away from uh, from cutting weight the way they used to. I think the two hour weigh in's a good idea as far as. You know, especially, gosh, those 18-pounders. I had Matt and Frank on here, and he said he came back from Christmas break weighing 148 pounds. <laughs> Man, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine cutting down to 118 pounds when you, you know, stepping on the scale 148, 30 pounds. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of freaking weight, man. Um, yeah, he was, a, he was a big 118-pounder. I always thought he was probably more like a 126-pounder, but he was tough. He was the same year as I was. Okay. Um, so tell me about that national title. How, what's your best memory of it and how satisfying was that? To I think, you know, you always go into the year hoping to win, uh, planning to win, preparing to win. And when you see it, you know, kind of go before your, uh, your eyes, you know, at a big 12 championship or, uh, you know, the, the qualifiers, you're always disappointed. And so it's like, Hey, I'm going to get it this next year and work harder and, you know, hit the weights. And, uh, and, and so when you get to the final, you know, I made it to the finals and, um, ended up, uh, you know, being in a position where I wanted to be and thought I could be many of the other years, uh, it was it was a relief to to finally, you know, be there. I think for me, and and I don't know if you can relate to this, but wrestling was such a middle game to me. Oh yeah, and it it, it it I always felt like technically, athletically, I had every you know uh, strength that anyone else had. I had the ability to go and work hard. I, I mean, I would watch the tape. I would study other people that, you know, I wanted to uh, beat or, uh, you know, potentially adopt their style. And I, I was always willing to do that, but I got so anxious. And, and one of the reasons I think to, uh, you know, you, you just go through this phase and, you know, you talked to McGinnis and it sounded like he kind of went through this as well. Like you got to figure out at different points along the journey of why you're doing what you're doing, because the reasons you, you go to college and wrestle isn't the same reason that you're going to re up every year. And so for me, my senior year was really, uh, I'd put, you know, 15 years of hard work into it. And, uh, it, it was, I wasn't going to let, uh, my, you know, my friends or my dad or, you know, anyone else's expectations rob me of doing what I wanted to do and what I loved to do, which was wrestling. And so it was more about meeting my own expectations and, and having fun because, you know, it, it, as a dad and, uh, you know, living up to the other's expectations, it's exhausting. And yeah. you know, just after a while, you're like, I'm done. Uh, and so for me, it was really just saying, all right, that I need to distance myself from the expectations that other people have had on me. And, you know, that's quite a bit. And it, it, it becomes burdensome when you're, you're, you're going into your senior year and you've yet to achieve what you want to achieve. But uh, for me, it was also a moment where I was able to kind of reset and say, hey, uh, I'm doing this finally because I want to be doing it instead of trying to achieve someone else's. So it was a great, uh, you know, great accomplishment uh, to, to, and relief uh, to feel good about that. But, you know, most wrestlers that I know, it's, it's like, all right, you get off one, one mountain you're climbing for next. And, and so that's, that's uh, if I, I stayed around and coached a couple of years at Augustana and that was fun. Uh, but I, I think that my nature is just to push, push, push. And, yeah. you know, it was after three knee surgeries and shoulder surgery and nose surgery, I was just ready to, to hang it up after that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you won that national title. And I totally know what you're talking about with the mental aspect of it, because 
that was my biggest hurdle, you know, as far as I, I would I would give guys more credit than they deserved, you know, not that, you know, you shouldn't respect your opponent, but if, if I didn't know who someone was, you know, I could, I could wrestle with them. And, and then if I started, if I heard what they had done or who they were or whatever, then all of a sudden I wasn't the same guy and I would tighten up and, and, you know, if, if I could redo that, I mean, I would, uh, I would just, just go out and wrestle and not be so worried about whether or not I won or lost because now that I'm 45 and looking back on it, I'm like, it wasn't life and death, you know, it's just like now I, and, and you have to work on it every day in your, in your life sometimes, you know, I, I still get anxious before I do comedy, I've been doing it for 20 years, and, and you just have to tell yourself, this is supposed to be fun, just go have fun, you've put in the work, you, you know how to do this, just, just do it, so if I could do my wrestling career over, one, I would probably just have walked on to a D1 school or something, and just gotten my butt kicked, and seen how good I could have gotten, and not worried so much about it, um, but yeah, it, it's huge. You know, you put in all that work and then sometimes you're getting a match and you're just, you're done by this midway through the third period. You're like just done. And it's all because you're, you, you've worn yourself out mentally before you even got in there. Yeah. Um, so people don't understand how, how much, uh, mentality goes in. I remember when I was a kid, them always talking about wrestling's 90% mental and all that. And, and I don't know if it's 90%, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah, you yeah. see those guys that, you know, they come in all, that's what I love about wrestling too, is you, you, they come in all shapes and sizes and Mark Brandt, you know, super tall, skinny, look like maybe should have been on the basketball court, but yeah, he's great. And then you got Les Getches who looks like he should, you know, been in a, uh, physique modeling, uh, you know, contract. I mean, all in all across the spectrum, I was, I was somewhere in the middle. I'm not tall enough to play basketball and, uh, you know, not muscular enough to be, to be anything, <laughs> uh, too proud of, but yeah, I loved, love the, the, the mental chess game that you, you do. And sometimes you just exhaust yourself before you even get out on the mat and hate, hate when that happens. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, and I don't know if you're okay with talking about this or not, but we spoke briefly once through Messenger about, um, I quit drinking about 10 years ago, and you shared with me that you had quit drinking, and uh, was there something that led to that? Were you, was it a, Did it ever become a problem for you? Yeah, I think it, for me it was, there was a family history of that, and I, 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 loved drinking uh, <laughs> to the point where I didn't know when to say no. And I knew that I wanted to have kids and wanted to have a wife and I wanted to have a successful career. And I didn't see that drinking was going to help in any of those things. And so was there incidents that, that happened that made me question that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been, I haven't drank now in, gosh, almost 15 years. Um, and it's been the greatest decision I could ever make because I don't have to second guess, you know, uh, when do I stop drinking? I just enjoy being myself. You know, part of it's the, the, the part that probably made you and I good is we didn't know when to turn it off. Uh, but as, one of my friends said that we were so good that we had to retire, uh, <laughs> you know, drinking I'm talking about. And so, yeah, I, I think I knew all along that it wasn't going to go well for me. If I continued down that path, I had enough foresight and I wanted to be something more than just average. And so, uh, for me, it was always a pretty easy decision. And I tried, you know, several times, even in college, uh, you know, I had some great influences, you know, uh, Mark Cody didn't drink. Brad Penrith uh, didn't drink. And now Brad was a recovering, uh, I think, alcoholic. And, you know, I, I wish I would have learned sooner. Uh, but those guys were some of my role models. And they showed me, you don't need that to have fun. Yeah. And I really appreciate them. I've learned uh, a ton without that, uh, that life is so much more than drinking so yeah it's been good yeah was it hard for you at all to quit when you started yeah I mean there were several times like I, I tried during college to quit and you, you know you would always 
quit during season. I mean, you, you can't drink and compete yeah. or lose weight and compete, you know, drink. And so, yeah, there was, there was times like, you know, you'd be sober for seven months out of the year and then you'd go on a, a binge, uh, you'd, you'd drink and you're like, ah, oh, man, I need to stop doing that. And, uh, you try stopping for a, a month or two and, uh, it's a little bit of the, the mentality of, of wrestlers, but, uh, you know, anytime you get into that herd mentality, it's a dangerous place. And so I, I realized in college that I didn't want to really be living that life. Um, and I did quit, uh, for months or even years at a time, uh, before I finally decided to hang it up. And for one reason or another, it always pick it back up and say, ah, you know, I'm strong enough. I can, I can do this. And, and then, you know, I end up doing, uh, something I wish I wouldn't have done, you know, whether it's, uh, say something or, uh, drive when I had one too many cocktails, uh, and you're like, man, that's so silly. And so, yeah, it was something that I I think went on for several years before I finally got to the place of saying, Hey, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Uh, But man, I'm thankful that, that I made that decision you know, one of my bosses in Cincinnati uh, said, you know, I used to ask God why. And uh, then I, I just started saying, thank you for, for choosing me and, and making me different. And I think it's when you change that perspective that helps kind of move along with the process. Yeah. Yeah, I was 35 myself when I decided, you know, I was like I, a bartender one time in uh, at the Cleveland Improv. He goes, he goes, man, I have never seen anyone that can drink like you. And when a bartender tells you that, you start thinking about it. And I wasn't 30. That was when I was in my heyday. I was probably around 30 when he told me that. But that kind of planted the seed like, man, maybe you are drinking too much. And then I finally just came to a point where I was like, I'm going to wake up, be in my mid 40s, have a full blown drinking problem. My career will have gone nowhere and uh and I just decided to quit and it it, it took a little bit but um once I really decided to quit and I asked God to help me uh he sure did and you know I think about all the times that I the all the stupid things that I did and how many times God protected me and had something mm-hmm. else in mind for me um so it's the best thing I ever did too and you realize how many people um you wouldn't talk to unless you were drinking <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get around people and you're like, man, I can't believe I ever had a conversation with this person. And and then, uh, you know, now I, I just enjoy, I, I enjoy being around people that I don't necessarily mind if they're drinking. I just, I just can enjoy myself without doing it. And I never really crave it. Ever since I asked God to help me with it, it really, uh, it took it away from me. Um, I wanted to ask you about being a parent. What's the best part about being a parent for you, Alan? And there's so many, I've got three boys, six, four, and two. And, you know, I think the, 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 the biggest aha moment for me was just, you know, the unconditional love, like one day the baby's not here. And then the next day you're like, my life has changed. And all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like the Grinch, his heart grew overnight, uh, and you're just like, you know, there's nothing that kid could ever do to, uh, yes, they make you upset, but there's nothing that they could do to, uh, lose that, that love. And, uh, I think, you know, that's been probably for myself as well as my kids, you know, I didn't really understand the concept of love. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm slower on the emotional chart or IQ, uh, chart than, than most. And, and so I think just how much, uh, you know, love there is and then getting to see them grow and achieve and, uh, you know, wrestle each other in the, in the living room on, on a daily basis is, has been a lot of fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure unconditional love. And they, you know, you, you hear, I ever, I've heard a million times, you know, enjoy it while it lasts because it's so fleeting and, and things go so fast and, and now I put my son to sleep every night and I'll give him his bottle and I'll put him on my shoulder. And, and now 
just one day he just he just you know he used to lay on my shoulder for a minute and I just I just love on him and now he just out of the blue he just now when I'm done feeding him I'll put him on my shoulder for a second and then he pushes back and he points at his crib like all right put me in bed and I'm like so we're not we're not doing that get to hold get to hold <laughs> you for he's he's a little over two and uh so he'll just point at his crib he's like yeah i'm done with you daddy you know <laughs> like I'm, I'm ready to go to bed and i'm it just it's heartbreaking because i'm like oh you know i know that there's going to be times where we where he, he yeah, i get to cuddle on him and all that stuff but now you know now he's just growing up just enough that he's like you know we're not doing that anymore i don't need to lay on you for a, for a yeah. while before i go to bed and and it sucks i already miss it you know i'm like <laughs> that's why you got to appreciate that stuff while you have it um so I wanted to ask you. You just need three or four more is what you need. You know, now I think I never really wanted a little girl because I know how I am and I know how people drive me crazy and I'm just, a, I, I can't, I can't imagine somebody saying something to my little girl, you know, it's, it's hard to be a, a woman in this society, you know, with, with the, the pressures that are put on them and all that and the things that come out of people's mouths. So I never really wanted one, but now I think I want a little girl. You know, all my mm. friends tell me how great they are, and 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 now that he's now that she's got a, a brother that could look out for her a little bit, I think I think my heart could take it. You know, um, that's the thing that I never wanted a little girl for because I never thought my heart could take it, and yeah. and now I think I probably could. Um, so we might give him give him a little sister. We'll we'll see. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Do you do you have? Uh, a guy that stands out in your mind as the toughest guy you've ever wrestled? Hmm. You, you know, there there was never a guy that I stepped on the mat uh, that I thought I, I couldn't beat him had I, you know, done something differently uh, with the exception of Justin Ware. Now, I think <laughs> the, that you know, there's a big difference between the way you think as a high schooler versus the way you think as a, a college wrestler. And what I mean by that is that you, you realize that technique, weights, uh, conditioning is a part of it, but developing yourself mentally is, you know, putting in the hard work off the mat is what is going to get you more wins than anything. And so I, I think... You know, there was never somebody that I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, I wrestled Casey Cunningham and had a, you know, uh, he beat me, uh, but it was a close match. He, he ended up uh, doing really well. Uh, so Darian Hager, who was an All-American for West Virginia, um, beat him. Uh, Steven Schmidt, you know, I almost, almost had him. Uh, and, and so I, I can't say that in college there was somebody that I was like, man, that, that person, uh, is unbeatable. Um, and so, so the only one that I can think of is, is Justin. And I wonder if that's because, you know, I wrestled in, in this really immature way of thinking. It's like, oh, I could never do that. Or I could, you know, uh, he's a couple years ahead of me and you, you tend to glamorize or, idolize some of those people and you put them on a pedestal and you after a while you realize that they're just like you yeah uh, literally uh so i would say uh you know he is you know in many regards the the guy that i always looked up to and uh was incredibly tough uh and you know he's i think he almost beat alan free uh his freshman year and uh, so he had the talent that he could he could wrestle and beat anyone uh, and some of the best that there are out there. So, uh, you know, other guys, I know your, your son's named after Kerry Colat. I mean, you watch on the mat and you're like, wow, that's, that's, I assume that's who your son's named after. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. That's his, he, he's got two middle names. Cause I didn't know if we were going to have uh, any more kids. So, and I wanted to fit all the names in we had. And <laughs> I, I love the name Micah and Earl is his middle name because that was her, my wife's grandpa's name that she was real close to. And I always wanted to name a kid Colat. I just thought it was a cool name. And, and yeah. he did something on a wrestling mat. I, I, I said this in one of my last podcasts. I think I was talking to St. Shane Sparks. And he, he hit a low level. I was a senior in high school when we went to watch national duels. And he hit, and I know who he was, so I made sure to sit down and watch him. 
and he hit a low level, but every part of his body was off the mat. He was like a board. He was so straight, and he just snatched that leg and was back on his feet so fast. And I remember looking at whoever I was next to and was like, did you see that? I mean, it was like something out of a, out of a, a video game. Just like, how in the hell did he do that? So yeah, that's where I, I got that name from. Um, sorry, I, I, I got off on no, that. He's a, he, he's, I didn't wrestle him, so, but he was, a, I mean, technically one of the strongest and physically you know, fit. Uh, so, so he was all, a guy I looked up to. Uh, he was a 134-pounder. I, I never ran into him on the mat. That was probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Justin Ware, I'm so intrigued by that guy because they say, you know, he just walked off the mat as, as, after Nationals and, you know, hardly anyone ever saw him again or heard from him again. And and uh, do you know what he's doing now? Where You know, have you talked to him? I don't. Uh, I, I haven't. Uh, sadly, I haven't kept in touch with Justin. Uh, I'd love to love to know where he's at and uh, get in touch with him. He was a, an incredible man. So, no, I don't. Uh, other than you know, I've heard he's in Arkansas, but I don't know a whole lot more than that. Yeah. So, as a teammate, uh, he was a pretty pretty nice, normal dude. Oh yeah, yeah. He he was just as down to earth as any of them. I, I mean. He, he definitely was always thinking. You can see his mind working, and um, you know had a speed uh, in him that most people don't. Even when he's going hard, he could always step it up a, another level. And you know those are the things that you're just kind of sitting on. But uh, yeah, I wish I wish I knew where he was. You'll have to track him down. Uh, put the, the hounds on and figure out what he's doing these days. Yeah, somebody sent me a LinkedIn to where I could get a hold of him, and now I can't even remember, you know, some I, I get so many messages and messengers sometimes that if they, yeah. if, if I, you know, I would have to go through all of them and click, open every single message to find <laughs> out who it was that sent it to me, but I, I would like to get a hold of him. Um, I remember he had this crazy confidence, and I told this story to Wayne, um, but I didn't tell the story very well. Uh, I, I asked him, he had to wrestle Scott Murray in the finals, and, and I had never talked to Justin. I was even nervous to talk to him, just like as a 10-year-old. And I remember going, have you ever wrestled Scott Murray? And he goes, no, I'm going to beat him in the finals. <laughs> you know, he was just like, it was a done deal already in his mind. Um, so it seemed like he had just crazy confidence. Yeah, he. I mean, he was, he was a guy that truly never believed that he would get beaten. Uh, he was, he normally that was true. Yeah. And and I telling Wayne, I was like, that's probably what was so hard for him, you know, because he lost two matches at Nationals and that had probably never happened to him ever in his whole life. So it was probably yeah. mentally very difficult for him. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I heard, you know, that school wasn't great, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if that was that was it or if it was the wrestling or there was something else but love, love life. You know, the the scenarios are are vast, but I don't know what the truth is. Yeah, so he was already gone by the time you got to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a couple years older. Well, I won't keep you on here all day. I did want to ask you real quick, though. Uh, you seem to have a very strong faith. Where does it come from? Does that happen later in life, or was that something you were raised in? Yeah, I think uh, my my parents always talked about. Uh, a faith and a God. And we went to church a few times. We were the, you know, the Christers, like Christmas and Easter. Uh, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go a whole lot yeah. uh, growing up. So I didn't really know what that meant until later I was in life and, you know, started to think about what does success mean? And some of those, you know, conversations that I had in my head and wrestling, like, Hey, what do I define as success? And, uh, you know, what's the purpose of wrestling? What's the purpose of life? You know, that, uh, I began to search in different directions and, and it wasn't until, you know, later in life, uh, I think, mean, you know, a couple of years after college that I, I really started to go down, uh, that route, uh, go down to, go to a church and I was in Cincinnati and it was the first time I was probably away from 
uh, a lot of the influences, whether it's wrestling or friends, uh, and, and really wanted to think it long-term about where I wanted to be. Uh, so I, that was really the, the galvanizing moment, I think, in my, my uh, aloneness, like, you know, who was it that I wanted to be and, and what did I believe to be true, that those are some of the most important questions that you could ask. And, you know, philosophers had been asking themselves that for hundreds of years. And so uh, I started to investigate, and, and it was through that process that I came to uh, believe in, in Jesus. And, uh, you know, that was also, I'd say, part of the reason why I no longer felt like I needed to, to drink and uh, because that wasn't a part of my identity. And, uh, and, and, you know, thankfully I had some great people along the, the way that, uh, you know, showed me uh, that in their lives versus just told me. And I think, you know, the people that tell you uh, are the ones that sometimes you're like, ah, I don't know that I really want to know, uh, or you're crazy. Uh, so I, I, it was shortly after college and, and really when I was, it had gone through the, the American dream of, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a job. And then, and then I'm like, well, what's the end of the story? <laughs> yeah. Like what next? You know, Cause I've checked, check, check. And uh, if this is it, man, this is a pretty vain life. I, I don't yeah. know that I really want to stick around much longer. And, um, and so it, thankfully uh, by his grace, I think it was in 2001, uh, that, that I really, for the first time, uh, had my eyes open to what the gospel was and, and, and who Jesus is. And, and, uh, and then it was just figuring it out and I'm still in the process of figuring it out. So if you get it figured out, let me know. I, I like I said, I'm not the, the highest on the IQ chart, so I need all the help I can get. Well, uh, I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit for that, buddy. I think you're a lot smarter than you, uh, than you claim you are. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I'm not judging people who don't believe in, in God and Jesus and all that stuff, but I almost feel sorry for them because man, I tell you what, I've, you know, my, we went to church a little bit when I was a kid and, and I've always prayed and everything, but until I really realized, uh, what Jesus did for us and all that stuff. And that's been, you know, I've always known about the crucifixion and all that stuff, but it's been fairly recently that I genuinely, got that, you know, where that, just how important that was and what he did for us and how, you know, it's, it's changed my life in a lot of ways. And, and like I said, recently in the fact that I've, the way, in the way that I've started praying and the things that I pray about, and I can, I can feel when Satan is trying to get at me and all the sneaky ways he can do it, you know, and, and I'm getting better every day, Alan, about recognizing when he's getting at me and what he's trying to do, and now when I feel that, I just go pray about it, and man, the reason I say I feel sorry for people who don't believe in it is because prayer works. I mean, it might not work right that second, but it works. Like the other day, I wasn't feeling too good about things in general, and I went out and I prayed about it, and I came back in, and I still didn't feel very good, and then my little boy has this little kid's Bible, and he hadn't had me read it to him in a long time, and for some reason, he came up to me, and I was feeling ungrateful, and without getting into all of it, I was just, you know, you know, whatever, and he brought me the Bible to him to read, and I picked him up and put him in my lap, and I read, the, read him the Bible, and it was like God was going here, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, it was amazing, and things like that happen to me all the time now, and it, it makes you excited for it, you know, like, yeah. you like, you want to read the Bible and be like, what else, what else can I yeah. learn about this guy, you know, um, yeah. So, anyway, well, it's, it's you. You think about some of the greatest moments in your life, in you know, for for you that have a child. I'm sure I can speak for both of us that you know, getting married was a, a big step into the unknown, uh, and you know, it's it's worked out great uh, for me, and uh, you know, it sounds like it's worked out great for you. Uh, you know, having a kid, you have no idea what's going to happen there. You know, are you going to have a kid with five uh, fingers, 10 fingers, you know, 10 toes. And, and so it's, it's a big leap. Um, and, and same with following Jesus. I think one of the things that I had in my mind that 
you know, really inhibited me from going in that direction was that I never really saw any men that I really wanted to be like that were what I would call Christian. And, and then I, you know, and I was just, you know, not exposed to that. Uh, but to now see that it's the greatest adventure and that some of the greatest uh, role models and heroes, uh, whether we know it or not, or maybe Christian. And uh, one of the, you know, the most exciting things, as you said, is just, you know, going to that place of unknown, uh, whether it's having a, a kid or getting married or uh, taking that step in faith. And, uh, that's really where life is. And every day, you know, is a new day. And, uh, you know, it's good to have somebody to walk along the, the road with. Uh, and I don't know how you do it, especially in the world that we live in with, you know, COVID, all the chaos. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason why he's not coming back and hopefully they'll figure it out and, uh, some more people like you in their life. And, uh, so, uh, that, that, you know, to me, I think everybody just has to come to that, uh, place, uh, hopefully on their own. Uh, I'm not a big proselytizer. Uh, although I don't mind talking about my faith, I just don't want to shove it, shove it down anybody's throat. Yeah. Um, because that's some of the stigma that, you know, I struggled with for so long. Yeah. And, and I've, I've said this before, but I think it's a shame that what so often what turns people away from God is, is religion. You know, people get so caught up in, in the, the, you know, how, you know, I don't even know how to word it, but they they think it has to be it's all about the the ritual and this and that and it's really just about getting a personal relationship with God and, and learning how to talk to Him and and right. uh, yeah so I don't, I don't want to shove it down anybody's throat either but I, I get excited when you you know you you kind of understand too why people get excited about it once you finally start to get it you're like oh that's why he's so that's why my brother couldn't shut up about it or, or <laughs> <laughs> you know whatever but. I won't keep you on here all day. I know you got to go, buddy, but I, I just want to tell you, it was great to meet you. I always knew who you were, and uh, I always thought you were a total stud on the mat, and uh, you're a great dude, and, and your kids are very lucky to have you. And is there anything you want to say before you get out of here? No, I think I love what you're doing. I, I, you know, just keep doing doing that. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's a, uh, there's a, there's a, um, Abraham Kuyper says uh, that when God looks out uh, over all things, uh, there isn't one square inch that he doesn't say that's mine. I love the intersection of, you know, entertainment, comedy, and, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing your faith uh, into all that. Uh, I, I know that's probably not easy, but pretty encouraging. Uh, and then, you know, connecting just with all the people in the wrestling world, uh, which, you know, all the, uh, all the wrestling world needs that too. Uh, you know, there's some incredible human beings in the sport as, as we know, but also, you know, a little bit of a dark uh, place. And so, uh, excited to see the way that you're caring for the community and uh, the way you build others up. That's been fun to see. Well, thanks, man. I'm trying to get better all the time. And, uh, like I said, it was a pleasure to have you. Yeah. And uh, enjoy your day, and let's try to stay in touch. Yeah, we'll do, Tim. Have a great one. All right, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Bye bye. All right, everybody. Alan Hankins, Kansas legend. It was really cool to talk to him. I'd never actually gotten to speak to him before, but like I said, I always knew who he was. And and uh, these guys, you know, Alan Hankins and Tom Ryan and Dennis Hall and and Ricky Williams and and all these guys have helped me become. Uh, a better Christian and make me want to uh, understand what we're all here for and and that's to love each other you know and that's that's the main thing Jesus preached and so uh, you know talk to God it helps it helps and uh, it's great to talk to a wrestling legend like that cool dude and super smart guy no matter what he tries to tell us <laughs> And uh, God bless all of you. Thanks so much for, for listening to these podcasts. Make sure you like and share and subscribe and all that. And I really appreciate it. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.